Uh, good morning. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the staff members here. And uh, I want to start out this way. Um, we, uh, back at Christmas time, we, uh, we had this family gathering at our house. And it's something that we do every year. It's kind of some extended family from my dad's side. And, uh, you know, it's a once-a-year thing. It's really the only time a year, except for some rare exceptions, that, that we get to see this part of our family. And so they were all at our house. And um, we, have, we actually have two little boys. Uh, one is three and one is six, and, and they're both adopted. And uh, back at the time that this happened, our, our six-year-old was actually, uh, he was about to turn six. He, he was five at the time. And he thought this family gathering was really exciting because there was, there was a cousin there, kind of an extended, you know, I don't know, second, third, fourth cousin of mine uh, who was there. And he was about 10 years old. So, and, and for Eli, this was kind of a big deal because he has cousins that he sees all the time, but a lot of, you know, they're a lot older than he is. And so he interacts with them and he has fun with them, but he, he doesn't really have a lot who are kind of this age. And uh, so he thought this was just great. Here's this boy who's just a couple years older than him, and he was just excited. He was following him around, and the kid had a, a video game thing, and so he was watching him play the video games, you know, even though my wife was horrified by what he was playing. And, and so, you know, here he is. He's following him around. He's just so excited. And, you know, I, it's my family, so I'm kind of paying attention to what hosting and interacting with people. And and after the fact, Sherry kind of told me that, that this kid was kind of, you know, as much as Eli was falling around, it was a little out of control. Uh, in fact, she said she had to pull her teacher voice out a couple times and, you know, kind of calm him down a little bit, maybe even through a couple, you know, direct stares at him just to, you know, get him to calm down a little bit. And, but, you know, Eli, he, he just seemed to enjoy the whole thing. <clears throat> but... Shortly after they left that day, and, and it seemed like five minutes to me, but I'm sure it was longer than that, all of a sudden, this paper appears in the living room taped to the light switch in our living room. And the paper, in fact, I took a picture of it so I could show it to you. Basically, this paper, what Eli told us was that if we have parties or we have people over at our house anymore, these are the rules for the party, okay? <clears throat> and, you know... We were kind of looking back at it the other day and trying to figure out what some of it was. Uh, we worked out that there was no hitting. You know, you weren't supposed to hit. Uh, you weren't supposed to um, talk back. Uh, in fact, we, there's one that's added kind of way up in the corner. We, this was added after the fact. I think his brother, you know, he was on his nerves one day, and it says no whining. So, um, and, and there's some other stuff. No handstands, uh, no flips. I'm not sure. I I guess he thought, you know, that led to other stuff. I don't know. I know he said at one point, I don't think it's on the paper, at one point he said, um, no choking, okay? Which, I don't know, maybe he, you know, that's supposed to be understood and he didn't need to put it on the paper. But anyway, you know, he he was very adamant. These these are the rules. We, you know, we don't, if we're going to have people over, these need to be the rules. Well, what he was really kind of saying to us was, he was saying, Look, it was fun having him here, and, and I got to follow him around and whatever. But what I really want is I really want him to, you know, not do these things to me, okay? It was fun following him around and everything, but he was, he was kind of mean to me. He didn't want to come right out and say it, but by putting these rules in place, he thought he was good. You know, that in his mind, probably 
Next year, Christmas rolls around. They come back, and everything's going to be fine. He's going to have the relationship with this kid that, that he wants to have because he's going to follow these rules that, that, that he's got posted. By the way, they're still there. So um, these rules that he has posted in the living room. And in his mind, what he thought is, I can build a relationship with this kid by putting some rules in place. That relationships are built on rules, and maybe, maybe not rules, maybe requirements. That, you know, if we put a few requirements in place, that we can build relationships. Now, you and I both know, sitting here, that that doesn't really work, okay? In fact, we would probably say it this way, that rules and requirements actually destroy relationships, that especially when you take them too far, that rules and requirements can actually destroy relationships. But in his mind, he could build a relationship on rules and requirements. Now, as we sit here and we kind of say, you know, that doesn't make any, you know, that, that doesn't make sense, that you, we, we know it's more about that, that there's something else to it, that we can't just build our relationships about rule, around rules and requirements. And as much as we say that, and as much as we know that in our mind, we still do it. I mean, think about your work situation. You know, maybe at work, maybe you're um, in your position, you actually oversee a few people that are, that are in your work. And, you know, they're great people, but you have one in particular that every time you tell them to do something, they get it done. I mean, they get it done. They get whatever it is you've tasked them to do. They get it done, but they don't do it exactly the way that you would do it. I mean, maybe they even they do it a completely different way than you would do it. They still get it done, but it's just not the way that you would do it. In fact, in your mind, maybe you think if they would only do it the way I would do it, it would be so much better. And so whatever, in your mind, you've set that rule or you've set that requirement. And so your relationship with this person, even though they do their job, it's strained because you have these requirements or these rules that you're playing with in your head, that your, this, your relationship with this person is built on those rules or those requirements. <clears throat> or maybe parents, you know, maybe this year your kids started high school. And, you know, in your mind, you think for you, when you started high school, this was kind of the turning point for you. You know, it, because of, you know, that maybe it didn't go well for you, and you know that, you know, high school wasn't a great opportunity for you. And so now maybe the job that you're in, you feel like today that the reason you're there is because it's not a great job, but it's all because of some decisions you made back in high school. And now your kids started high school and you think, I don't want the same for them. And so you begin, you've, you've already geared up and you're like, you know what, you got to do great in high school because it's going to get you to a great college and then you're going to do, you know, you're going to do great at that college and then you're going to get a great job and, and you're going to be able to provide for your family. And I just want the best for you. I want to set some high expectations for you. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with setting high expectations for our kids. But a couple months in, you know, they get in trouble at school or maybe they start to do poorly in one of their classes and they start bringing home some terrible grades and all of a sudden you bring the hammer down because we can't have this because you can't continue this or you're going to be on the same path that I was on. 
You're going to end up in the same job that I'm in or whatever. This place that I see as a dead end, you're going to end up in that same place. And so you bring the hammer down and you, no grace, no nothing, no mercy. You, you just want to fix it. And so you put rules and expectations and you, maybe you just continue to build on those things. And you're trying to build this relationship on your rules and your expectations. But instead, what you're doing is you're destroying that relationship with your rules and your expectations. And kids, you don't get a pass here, okay? Children, you know, children, you, you might be sitting there today and you might think to yourself, by the way, we're going to talk a lot to you today, so don't go to sleep on me, okay? And mom and dad will nudge you if they need to, okay? But kids, you, you do the same thing. You know, you, you have a friend, I, I don't know, Johnny, and Johnny's parents, um, you know, they're, they, they would have said some of these things that we just heard in the video, but they wouldn't have been joking, okay? You know, they, they, they throw the parties and, and, and they do the things that, that, that your parents don't do. You know, they let them do the things that you wish you could do. They let them talk the way that you wish you could talk in your home. And so in your mind, you begin to put those rules and those expectations on your parents. And so your relationship struggles because your parents have a little different idea of what it looks like to be a parent. Not like Johnny's parents who aren't involved at all. And so you begin to put those rules and expectations in the place as well. And again, as you continue to see that and you continue to build that into, instead of building this relationship between your parents, you're actually destroying it. So here we are. We realize that rules and requirements don't build relationships. They destroy them. But I think scripture has kind of laid out for us what it is that takes, what it takes to build relationships. And that's, that's what we're going to do today. In fact, um, if, if you're just joining us, maybe it's been a, a couple weeks since you've been here. We're actually right in the middle. We're in this long series, a long series for us, nine weeks, called Family Matters. And we're right in the middle of it. This is the fifth week, okay? So you've come on a good day. So if you miss a few, that's all right. In fact, I'd encourage you, go back, catch up. They're on the website. You can go to iTunes and subscribe there. Catch up with us, okay? Especially last week. Because today, last Today is really kind of, to me, part two of last week. So that's all right. If you've missed it, that's all right. We'll, we'll get you caught up. But it's really part two because in this, we're talking about all of these different relationships that we have in our families. So back in week one, we kind of laid the groundwork. We said, you know what? We realize that we live in reality, that, that, that our families live in the reality of this world. But just because we live in this real or this real the reality of this world, that we can't continue to strive for ideal in our families. That God's laid out the ideal for us in Scripture. Now, he didn't give us a bunch of great families to look at in Scripture that are great examples for us, but he lays out some principles in Scripture that are the ideal for us, for us to strive toward. And then in the next couple of weeks, we talked about specifically, we talked about dating and, and what that looks like um, going into families. And then and we look at what happens if we're in a marriage and, and one of us is a believer and one of us is not. And what does that look like? How do we navigate that? 
And then last week, we began to tackle these, specifically, we, tackle, we started to talk about marriage roles, but then we also kind of started out with this whole summary. In fact, the summary's up here. This is what we started with last week. We, we talked about all of these, these four things. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, honor your parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children. So this is what we started with last week. We said, this is a summary. If we could get this right, if we could do these four things, let's all go home. We can end the series now. We don't have to talk about this anymore. But we don't get them right. And so we need to continue to talk about them. We need to continue to, what do these things look like in our lives? And we kind of navigated, JJ talked about what it looks like for husbands, love your wives. Wives, we kind of, you know, we, we navigated that word submit and what it means and, and, and what that looks like. And in fact, as we get into the other two today, children honor your parents and fathers do not provoke your children, we need to look back at the verse that we started everything with last week. Because this verse sets the tone for everything that we're going to talk about today. It set the tone for us last week, and it's setting the tone for us today as well. And the verse is this, Ephesians 5, 21. It says this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And there's other translations that even just say submit, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And JJ told us last week, it's not about submitting to each other out of reverence for each other. You know, we're not submitting to each other because, you know, you submit to me, so I submit to you. No. We're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That no matter what you do to me, as a Christ follower, I'm called to submit myself to you. That I'm called to submit myself to you. And so this verse set the tone for our whole conversation last week about wives and husbands and what that looks like. But it also sets the tone for what we're going to look at today, where we're going to begin to talk about what it looks like for children and parents and what their relationships are. Now, today is really only kind of the beginning of what we're going to look at when it comes to kids. And even, you know, we're going to continue to talk about marriage as, as we continue through this. But here we are today talking about what's going to set the tone for these relationships that we have. So let's go ahead. We're going to actually, uh, in the verses that we're going to look at today, we're picking up really where J.J. left off last week. You know, we said that this verse, 521, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, sets the tone for everything that Paul is writing about. This is um, the book of Ephesians. It was a letter that was... Um, uh, written to the church at Ephesus by the Apostle Paul. He's writing this letter, and this verse sets the tone for all that he's about to talk about. He's, all that J.J. talked about with wives and husbands, all that we're going to talk about with children and parents, and even beyond that, you keep going in the verses, it sets the tone for what he continues to talk about beyond this. <clears throat> but in verse 1, it says this, Ephesians 6, so we, we finished up Ephesians 5, moving into Ephesians 6. In verse 1, it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, specifically, when he says children, who is he talking to? Well, 
Very specifically, he's talking to kids who live within the home, okay? So if you are sitting out there today and you live in your parents' home and you're under their authority, he's specifically talking to you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, does that, if we're, you know, out on our own, does that, like, negate us? Do we not have to pay attention to this? I don't, I think we still have to pay attention to it. I mean, I'm in my 40s, but, you know, if my parents, granted, they're not sitting there telling me to do everything with my life or what to do every day, but if my parents come to me and they say, they give me some advice where they say, you know what, Chris, you know, maybe you need to do this. If it's within the confines of my faith, what I believe, what, if it fits within the confines of what I'm trying to do with my family, then I probably need to do what I can to be obedient to what they've called me to do. So children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. But he's specifically talking to those of us who are in our parents' homes. Now, God didn't do this because, you know, your parents gave him 10 bucks to put, you know, slip this verse in and in, into in scripture. This verse is in scripture for some very specific reasons, okay? First of all, our society, our community, or the way that it works doesn't work if, if kids don't obey their parents. I mean, let's be honest. If kids do whatever they want to do, and we see this in our society, if kids do whatever they want to do, our society begins to, you know, fall apart and things begin to happen that are not good. So God put this in place because he knew that your parents had the ability to kind of put some boundaries in place to help you, not only help your family go well, but to help our society and our community function the way that it needs to function. He also knew that as kids, the reasoning isn't totally there. Now, I know sometimes as parents, our reasoning isn't totally there either, okay? I get that, all right? But the expectation is that as parents, we have the reasoning ability to be able to help our kids, to guide them, to direct them, because they're, you know, the reasoning parts of their brain haven't completely developed yet. And so they would make decisions that are going to harm them, that are, they're going to make decisions that, you know, are going to kind of tear at the fringes of, of what we believe. And so we're there to provide that reasoning for them. But at its heart, I think one of the reasons that God put this in place is because God is laying out a mirror for our relationship with him. When he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right, he's laying out a governance for our family that should also mirror our relationship with him. He could have well just said, you, Christ follower, obey me in the Lord because I'm telling you what to do for this is right. He's laying out this, this parent-child relationship is the kind of relationship that we should have with him. That when he calls us to do something, we should be obedient to what he calls us to do. In fact, early on in Scripture, in the Old Testament, it tells us that it is greater to obey than it is to sacrifice. And so 
He's laying out for us what our relationship with him should look like. So it's not just an arbitrary, kids, obey your parents because we say so. It's children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. There's so much about our society that hinges on our community that hinges on children. Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Now, some of you kids out there, you've got that lawyer mind working and you're already saying to yourself, why does it say in the Lord? Why does it say in the Lord? Let's just say this. If you're here today, if your parents brought you here today to church and they are, you know, on a regular basis telling you what to do, do it, okay? Because they brought you here today because they want to see you raised in the Lord's, in in his teaching. They want to see you learn scripture. They want to see things happen in your life. They want to see faith come into your life. So if they brought you here today, you can be pretty sure that whatever they're telling you to do is in the Lord. Now, there's some things, if you came by yourself and your parents don't come here, there's some things that we could talk about that don't fit into that terminology of in the Lord, okay? And we'll talk about that on the side because we're not going to spend time on it. Be sure, if you're here today and your parents brought you, it's in the Lord. Do it, okay? Let's keep going. In the next couple verses, it says this. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, we actually read this verse the very first week of Family Matters. Honor your father, not this particular verse. We actually read it um, in where, it's, where it's found in the Ten Commandments. Okay, Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So Paul comes back to this commandment that we find in the Ten Commandments. And we talked about, when we talked about it that week, that this commandment is kind of the hinge commandment. That all the commandments before this in the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship with God. And then we have this commandment, and then this leads into all the relationships, all the commandments where it deals with relationships with other people. So we start with this commandment. Honor your father and your mother. Again, I think that points to that relationship that God's pointing to our relationship with him. That if we're going to have a transition between what the commandments say in our relationship with God and our relationship with others, let's start here. Let's start with honor your father and your mother. And then it says, this is the first commandment with the promise. And you can see what the promise is, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now, what does that mean? Well, back then specifically, it was a reference to the promised land. That this, If you honor your father and your mother, and we'll get into what that means in a minute, but if you honor them, then you're going to have a prosper, a better life in this promised land that you have. Now, for us specifically, I think it can point to a longer life. I mean, if you obey your parents and honor your parents, I think you're less likely to do things that may lead to your early demise, okay? Let's be honest, okay? If you obey and honor your parents, you're probably going to do less things that are going to lead to an early death. 
so it can point to longer life, but I think it also points to <clears throat> that things will go well with you, that you will have good relationships, that you'll have strong relationships. Honor your father and your mother. Well, what does that mean? What, what does that look like? Well, I think it means a lot of different things. And I think it means different things for different people. Um, it could mean obeying your parents. I think definitely it means obeying your parents. It could mean maybe your parents are getting a little bit older in their age, and, and so maybe it's becoming a little bit of a struggle for them to kind of take care of themselves. And so you, as and to honor your father and your mother, you step in and you begin to help and, you know, Maybe they live with you, or maybe you, you, know, you go by every day to make sure that things are happening that need to happen, and, and you take care of them, much like they took care of you when you were a kid. Maybe, maybe they're struggling a little bit. You know? Maybe um, you've been blessed to have a great job and, and so forth, but now in, in their retirement, you know, the medical, we, we know medical bills can overwhelm people, and all of a sudden they're feeling overwhelmed by these things, and and so maybe to honor them, you step in and you say, you know what, I've been so blessed, how can I help? And there's the key. I think the key to all of this goes back to what we talked about last week. If we're going to get the husband and wife relationship right, let's start with that question, how can I help? I think it's the same thing with the parent-child relationship. If we're going to get it right, how can I help? And that's the conversation that you need to have with your parents. Whether you're living at home with them now or whether, you know, you've been out of the house and now, you know, they're in their, you know, their retirement years and you're kind of beginning to step back into that role of trying to help take care of them. How can I help? I think if we look at these verses, and even in the next verse that we're going to look at in just a second, and, and, and we'll get into that in just a second, I think if we really begin to look into these verses and think about what it is that builds relationships. You know, we said that rules and requirements don't build relationships. I think if we look at these verses, I think what we would have to say is that respect is what builds relationships. That if we're going to build relationships, we have to base them on respect. Respect for our parents, kids, respect for your parents, obedience to your parents. But even, and we'll see in the next verse, parents having respect for your kids. It's building that respect into those relationships. And not just, not just those relationships, any relationship. As, like we said at the beginning... These are principles that we can apply anywhere. So relationships are built on respect, not on rules and requirements. They're built on respect. Which takes us to the last verse, because to me, this is the tough verse. Because I'm a pretty new dad, and uh, um, it specifically addresses us dads. Now, I, I think it's talking to all parents, but it specifically says fathers. In verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, 
later on in the series, we're going to get into discipline and instruction and, and, and those kinds of things. But I think for today's conversation, we're going to focus on the beginning of that, okay? Fathers, do not provoke your children. Now, this is not saying don't discipline your kids, don't provide consequences. It's saying do not provoke them to anger. What does that mean? Well, to me, the best way is to give you an example. Uh, You know, as a new dad, you're learning stuff every day. And and the other night, the kids are in the bath, and uh, the little little one, the three-year-old, starts to tell me something. He says, Dad, um, and I forget, I think it was like the water's too warm, or I don't know, it was something, or the water's too cold. Dad, the water's too cold, the water's too cold, the water's too cold. Okay, all right, I took care of it. I got it, you know, we're adjusting it, great. And then all of a sudden, the six-year-old says, like, I didn't, I don't know if I didn't respond to the three-year-old quick enough or whatever. All of a sudden, the six-year-old starts to say the same thing over and over and over again. You know how they do. And all of a sudden, I turned to him and I said, I didn't raise my voice or anything like that. I said, Eli. Is, is the water too cold? Sarcastically, of course. And I, in that moment, you know, this verse came to my mind. And it said, you know, I thought, here you are being sarcastic with a six-year-old. Who, when he's 20, he may not, you know, he's very literal. So when he's 20, he may not get the whole sarcasm thing. But you're being sarcastic with a six-year-old. For what purpose? Do not provoke your children to anger. Maybe it's those, you know, we were talking about earlier, maybe it's those huge requirements that you put on your kids that, you know, these high expectations and there's no grace and there's no mercy. All that does is frustrate them. It frustrates them. Again, not that those expectations are bad. It's that when there's no grace and when there's no mercy, We provoke our kids to anger. And again, I think that the reason God put this in place is first, I think he put this in here because he wanted to remind us, don't react in anger, okay? It's okay to provide consequences, but don't provide those consequences in anger. Don't think to yourself, he's getting exactly what he deserves. When you punish him or you discipline him or her, He's getting exactly what he deserves. Because that's not God, how God looks at us. It's not how God looks at us. God looks at us and says, yes, you're getting the consequences that come with sin and with your poor choices. But I think he pains and hurts over those things more than we do. It's like the old adage, this hurts me more than it hurts you. That's the way it should be. When you discipline your kids, it should hurt you more than it hurts them. Because you should have that pain inside of you that realizes that you don't want to see this for them. You don't want to see these consequences in their life. And so when they happen, whether you're providing them or whether they naturally happen, you come along afterwards and you pick them up and you dust them off and you hug them and you say, I still love you that's what God does to us. It's the gospel right there. That's what God does for us. 
Sure, we have consequences for our sin, and he lets those play out. Sometimes he saves us from them, but a lot of times they play out in our life, and he looks at us, and he pains to see us go through those things. But when it's all said and done, Jesus came so that we could be forgiven and that we could have grace and mercy in that. So that's how we have to approach when it says, fathers, do not provoke your kids to anger. That's what God's talking about. Treat them like I treat you. There's one other verse that I think as we talk about this idea that relationships are built on respect, I think there's one other verse that kind of separate from this that I think is so important to this whole conversation about family and what it means to be family. It's actually found in another one of Paul's letters, one that he wrote specifically to um, one, of his, one of his students, Timothy. In 1 Timothy 5.8, it says this, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. <clears throat> now, this is, this is a huge verse. I mean, I, Paul, Paul start right before this, Paul's talking about, really about how the church should look out for widows and, and for orphans. But he kind of turns the corner and he says, yes, that, that's the church's responsibility. And, you know, I think as a church, we try to do the best that we can for that. But, Paul turns the corner and he says that he he makes this statement here that we find in verse 8. Because what he's saying is, listen, I'm talking about true widows and true orphans. If there are people in your family that need help, as a family member, as a Christ follower, that's your job. That's your responsibility. It's your, you step in and say, how can I help? First, in your immediate family, in your household, but then even beyond that, Beyond that, you step in and say, how can I help? Because Paul realized that relationships are built on respect. That if we're going to have respect in our families, we have to look out for each other. We have to step in and provide that help where it's needed. And so we begin, we have that conversation. What can I do to help? I always remember this particular verse because um, when I was teaching high school, I had this mentor. Um, She was, from the very beginning of when I first started uh, teaching, um, she was in her late 50s, early 60s. She had kids that were the same age that I was. But she had always just kind of looked out for me and, you know, made sure, you know, that, you know, at the time I was single and, I don't know, she kind of mothered me a little bit. But she just, she really always gave me great advice. And, and, I got to, you know, on a couple occasions, I got to meet her parents, and I began to understand why she was the way that she was, um, especially her father. Her father actually was, uh, he had flown bombers in World War II and had flown bombing runs over Germany during World War II. Just an incredible guy, incredible man of faith, just incredible guy. He always, you always want to hear stories from him, but he was the kind of person that you didn't hear stories from him because he always wanted to hear from you. I mean, that's just the kind of guy he was. He had respect for you no matter what. And I remember one day we went over to their house. Um, I was trying to help her with something. She was trying to get her daughter's car picked up that had been at the mechanics. 
And we went to her parents' house, and I'm sitting there talking with her, her mother, who was, you know, in her 80s or whatever, and we're having a conversation. And I could see this lady and her, her father in the other room. They were in the kitchen, and there was like a, a door that had a window in it. And I could see them having a conversation. And all of a sudden, I see him <clears throat> get his Bible out. And I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, what, what's going on? All of a sudden, and he's going like this. He's pointing at something. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And all of a sudden, they come out, and we, we proceeded to leave and go pick up the car. And, and I said, if you don't mind me asking, what, what was that all about? What, what was he telling you? And she said, oh, he was telling me why he was going to pay for my daughter's car, why he was going to pay for the repairs. That, you know, she has her own job. She can take care of herself. You know, she can pay those bills. But he was telling me why he was going to pay for it. And he was pointing to that verse. And he was saying, if I have the ability to take care of my family in some way, then I'm going to do it. Now, I'm not saying that that's the direct application of that verse all the time, that you got to go pay for your kid's car repairs. He just understood that he had already asked that question in his mind. He had already asked the question, what can I do to help? And he was doing it. You know, she's young, whatever. Sure, she could pay her own bills, but I can help. And this is a way that I can help. And so he stepped in and did it. He understood that relationships are built on respect, that our family relationships are built on respect, and that we start that respect with the question of, what can I do to help? Let's pray.